Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And when I was teeing up the programme in the last hour with Ken, I happened to mention the lotto. I don't know how we got talking about the lotto, but I happened to mention it and saying that, you know, we've got this 19 million euro, uh, the top prize in the lotto. And we all dream of winning 19 million. And what would you do with 19 million and all of that? And week after week after week, I'm purchasing a couple of tickets and getting absolutely nowhere. I think at this stage I have a share of that 19 million euro. Lo and behold, we're just after spotting from Fina Gale TD, Bernard Durkin. He says it's time for an audit and an investigation of the National Lottery draw because there's been no winner of that top lotto jackpot now in almost six months. I didn't realise that it is it has been at six months since we last had a lotto win. He says that the bi-weekly lotto draw has rolled over now 46 separate occasions and the last time it was won was actually back on June the 6th of this year. And I wonder... Is that a record set by the lottery? Have we ever waited that long for the top prize to go? Now, it made me smile when I saw the statement come out from Deputy Bernard Durkin. Uh, he says, this never happened in Roland Collins' time. Remember when Roland Collins used to front the lotto? The jackpot has been stuck on €19 million Euro now since September. What is going on, says Bernard Durkin. He now wants a full investigation and an audit done on the draw. He says he never agreed with Premier Lotteries Ireland and Premier Lotteries Ireland are the group that won the lottery. He's never agreed with their decision to increase the number of balls to 47. He said, I'm old enough to remember back in 1986 when there was only 36 balls inside in the lottery draw drum and that would have been back in the days when Roland Collins was fronting it on the TV and spinning the drum every week and of course in those days there was only one draw a week we didn't have a midweek uh, draw and Bernard Durkin reckons that the lottery should have stuck with 36 balls that we should be just you choose your numbers between 1 and 36 not between 1 and 47 now I don't think he's saying that there's anything dodgy going on with the lot, with the lotto but the fact that you have to choose between 1 and 47 it obviously is making it much much harder for people to win and for people to select the six winning balls and hence the reason we haven't had a lotto winner since June the 6th so I'm wondering 
particularly the regular players of Lotto. I can't say that I'm a regular player. I've been dibbing into it. I kind of got caught up in the hype of it when it went to the 19 million and I try and do it, don't necessarily do it on Wednesday, but I try and do it on the Saturday nights since it's gone to the 19 million. But, you know, as soon as it's won, I'll probably go back again and won't even think about Lotto for another while. But there are people who religiously every single week play the lotto. There are also people who have stuck with their first set of numbers and they're actually doing themselves no favours at all because people who would have selected six numbers back in the day when the lottery first started back in the 80s, they were selecting numbers between 1 and 36 so they're immediately at a disadvantage because anything from 37 to 47 any of those come out of the draw drum, they haven't a hope of winning because they wouldn't have them in their selection. So it's a kind of a dangerous thing to have stuck with the same numbers from day one. But I welcome your thoughts, as I say, particularly those that play it regularly. Would you agree with Bernard Durkin that they should have stuck with the 36 and moving it to 47. And so he recently, I think, moved to 47. It was 46 balls for ages and then suddenly there was an extra one. Number 47 suddenly appeared when you went to fill in your lottery card. So your thoughts welcomed on that. Are you with Bernard Durkham? Bring back Ronan Collins. Get Ronan Collins to do it again and go back to just 36 balls. Um, the only the only one thing I could see, the downside to it is if they reverted back to just 36 numbers in the lotto, we would never see a jackpot as high as 19 million. You'll have some people say that's not a bad thing. 19 million is too much money, even though others will say, give me a check. Let me win it and I'll show you how I could spend it. Anyway, your thoughts on that? Should we go back to 36 and have more winners rather than be in the position we're in now? 1 to 47 you choose from but yet we're six months and it could even go longer because it's not to say that the lottery is going to be won on this Saturday night. 1850-333-103. Your thoughts uh, welcomed there. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And a listener says, Patricia, would you please warn your listeners that there's a scam text doing the rounds. It is supposedly coming from Bank of Ireland and saying... One of the typical ones saying you have unusual activity detected on your account. The, the text actually looks very, very genuine and real. But it's when you look very closely, you'll actually see they've spelt the word service. They've actually spelt it wrong. And that often actually when you very clearly look at some of those scam texts, there will inevitably be either spelling errors because in many, many cases, the majority of cases, these scam artists English isn't even their native language so even when they're putting the text together they're kind of unsure with the wording and the wording sometimes can be wrong but you'll often see um, words misspelt which is a real telltale sign but a lot of those coming from the banks it will look like it's actually coming from your genuine bank in that they've somehow managed to get into the thread maybe you get uh, had previous texts from your bank and that of course throws people into thinking that there is something wrong and they may click on the link just be very mindful of that so that's uh, and one doing the round at the moment with service spelt wrong and actually I was just when the text came in John Paul was saying on the work mobile that he has he said the very same text just arrived in and service spelt wrong on our one uh, as well now Christy was on to us and this is to do with young 
young people who have been out and about it's college students on what is typically known as the, uh, Christmas Jumper Day or Christmas Party Day. Happens every year and it's been going on. I don't know when this tradition actually started but the kind of the theory behind it is the college students, they'll all be wrapping up their year fairly soon and there'll be exams and then they'll be heading home for, for Christmas and because students will travel say from all over the country and come to college in Cork or in Limerick or in Galway or in Dublin and they're away from their friends then because they go home to mammy and daddy uh, for Christmas so they're away from their friends over Christmas their college friends so this kind of tradition started that they all go out usually around the end end of November I don't know it seems to have happened a lot this week. I don't know if that's earlier than normal or not, but generally speaking, it is a kind of around this time of year that they have this Christmas Christmas Day, Christmas Jumper Day, and they all head out and it's a great bit of a party and a great bit of fun and all of that. But obviously... We're battling in a pandemic at the moment. So uh, Christy is questioning the logic and the sense about so many young people gathering and going out together. And also he is a bit critical of the late night hospitality industry and the representatives who have this week been critical of the government's decision to uh, close all establishments and make sure that they're emptied at midnight. He's critical of that. He said when you see the massive groups of young people queuing outside such premises in Limerick on Wednesday and if you look at the papers today they were in Cork uh, City yesterday I think they were in Galway yesterday as well for the Christmas jumper day. Don't know if the colleges in Dublin have had their one uh, yet. So Christy is saying how can late night hospitality give out when you see this number of young pe- young people out. He said one can only imagine what the scenes were like indoors basic guidelines not being followed these establishments should not get any sympathy. We have been hearing from students who can't afford accommodation or food but this week's images tell a very different story and that comes in from Christy OK, a couple of points there. Firstly the students that would have been out yesterday wouldn't have been in any of the late night hospitality places because none of the nightclubs, if they had to close at, at 12 midnight, they wouldn't have been opened on a normal Christmas jumper day. Yes, they would have gone to the bars and then would have gone on to a nightclub afterwards. But nightclubs now were told that they must close at 12 midnight. And just on your criticism of the students themselves and the ones who were saying that they can't afford accommodation or food, we highlighted the hardship of some of those students uh, this year. Remember the food bank inside in UCC ran out of food uh, very quickly and I remember clearly at the time when we were talking about the hardship of uh, some students we were we were saying that it was just some students but there were other students who have savings they have part-time jobs some of them are in a very lucky position that they have parents who can fund their way uh, through uh, college so it's unfair to tar all students with the one brush and to say just because students were out enjoying themselves yesterday. They are not the same group of students who would have had to go to a food bank to get food because they literally didn't have food to live on. But just on the students who went out in Cork uh, yesterday, I was reading a piece this morning from uh, Steve Neville in The Examiner along with photographs of young people all dressed up in their Christmas jumpers yesterday and there was large queues Hundreds of students reported in uh, some places from early yesterday morning outside a number of pubs in uh, the city. Now, if you and I know we got some calls in about it yesterday, if you looked at any of the queues, the people queuing up to go in, the hundreds of people queuing to go into various different uh, pubs. There wasn't a lot of social distancing going on, certainly outside. However, according to Steve Neville in the, in the Examiner, 
Very different story. Once the students went inside, there was very strict measures in uh, place. There was checking of COVID certs. They were also had to produce photo ID to prove that it was their uh, COVID cert. In the magazine road area, students had began queuing at 10am in the morning. And by lunchtime, there was two pubs in that area that had between 50 and 100 people queuing outside. And then by two o'clock in the afternoon, the doors of both pubs were closed. They had reached capacity couldn't fit in so they weren't jamming everybody uh, in and uh, two students from the Munster Technological University said that they were were going out and when they were asked by uh, Steve Neville of the examiner why they were going out they said look this is our final year we wanted to mark our last Christmas in college we've been locked up for two years we're over it when they were asked about the Covid situation they both said they were vaccinated but they haven't really been able to experience much of uh, college life when asked about antigen testing. Both said they had taken an antigen test that's really been responsible to make sure that they weren't positive before heading out and they'd planned to do another one either today or uh, tomorrow. Gardaí on Magazine Road said the students had been very well behaved. The Gardaí had been around the area from 10am supervising the queues, said there was absolutely no uh, issues. And there's even a lovely story from one local centre in the area and the owner of the centre actually praising the students and said two of the students came into the shop and said could you have could you give us some rubbish bags please and then they went out and gathered up litter that had been dumped outside the pub you know and it's that's um, Dennis Welton the local centre owner and he said they're stories you don't often uh, hear about so well done uh, to those uh, students another student was saying that she was a bit concerned because she's going home at the weekend to her parents but what she plans on doing is is taking an antigen uh, test she took on before she went out and she's going to take an antigen test before she goes home to her parents to make sure that she hasn't picked up anything. So again, young people are being responsible and they're going out and buying their own uh, antigen uh, tests. And then there was lots of reports of inside in the pubs, people weren't allowed to move around once they went in. They sat at their seats. They stayed in pods, I think, of uh, six people. Pas- their COVID passports were checked. They were asked for um, ID. So, you know, everybody seemed to be acting as responsibly as possible. Now, Catherine Clancy, who's chair of the magazine Road Residents Association and we've spoken with Catherine many times on the programme because they've had problems in the past because of the area they live in and there's a lot of students living in that that area around the magazine road and who socialise in that area. She said that they have concerns about the number of students who are out socialising at the moment, just bearing in mind the way the COVID numbers are going at the moment. She says a COVID outbreak in the area is a cause of concern and she said due to lack of social distancing by the students and that she also said due to the queues that in the local shops, she felt it, it was making those shops inaccessible to residents because if there's a lot of people queuing or a lot of people inside in shops you might have some people who are a little bit nervous about it and therefore are not going to go out shopping either. Catherine Clancy though went on to praise the support that the Community Gardaí and University College Cork had given the association and obviously all the colleges in the city say they have nothing, they they do not organise any of the events that were linked to the gatherings yesterday. The Christmas Jumper Day is just organised by students themselves. On the lotto Tom says I think it's a disaster 
Leinster. Uh, when they moved the lotto operator out of the country, the new operator, uh, the new operate head queue is outside the country. And Post originally ran the lottery, but then they lost the contract uh, for it. So I feel since others got involved, it has changed the whole thing. Neil says, I agree. More numbers is giving people less of a chance to win, but they can't keep it rolling over like they used to. They're keeping the jackpot at the same point. I think that's to do with the laws around lottery. It can't go over 19 million. That's why it has to be capped. I think there's some there's some legislation on uh, that. Uh, anyway, uh, Neil reckons more people are playing. Well, I can put my hand up and say I'm only playing because it is at 19 million uh, euro. They have to be making huge profits from uh, this. But I think they say that they put it down into the smaller prizes or not isn't, it? isn't that the way it's done when it's capped at 19 uh, million Colette says Patricia I remember a few years ago I was in a shop and I was going to do the Monday Millions uh, at the time there was just a special draw just on a Monday at the time I think isn't it every day now there's a Daily Millions draw anyway the man behind the counter <laughs> says to me you're wasting your money on that nobody's won it in years he seemed to know his stuff I never did it uh, since and now they have it every day of the uh, week. So a lot of people just not happy with the way the lotto was gone. Pat says, Patricia, I think since the National Lottery was privatised, the number of wins has gone way down. I recently retired. I must have received 50 scratch cards as gifts, you know, going away cards and good luck cards. People throw in the odd scratch cards into it. Would you believe out of 50 scratch cards, I didn't even win a free scratch card in any one of them? I always did the lotto and bought two scratch cards on a weekly basis, but I've stopped buying them in the last couple of years as I was winning nothing. And I have heard more people say that as well. And Pat, I'm one of those people, if I'm sending a card to somebody rather than, you know, sending somebody an empty card, I always like to just throw in a few uh, scratch cards. And I've noticed of late anyone, and particularly since the pandemic, when I'm, you're not getting to meet as many people. So I've been putting, you know, to three or four scratch cards into, you know, cards that are going home to, to family members. And you know something right across this year, the amount of people who contacted me to say, no, they didn't. Yeah, you know, thank you for the card. Thank you for the scratch cards. No, did you win anything? No, I didn't win anything. I couldn't believe it. There was only one person I remember who I sent scratch cards to. I think that won four, won four euro. But that was about it. Everybody else were no wins. So there doesn't seem to be as much money paid out on the scratch cards as there was uh, previously. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Earlier this month it was announced that the COVID vaccine booster dose would be given to those aged over 60. That was following a recommendation from NIAC. It was initially believed that those aged 60 to 69 would receive an appointment at a vaccine centre. But it now seems they can also get a booster from their local pharmacy. Joining me with details is Peter Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. When, when did you hear that pharmacies were to start giving boosters to the over 60s? Well, we found out on Wednesday um, there was a meeting between the Department of Health and the Irish Pharmacy Union, I think, on Tuesday last if you remember, there was a bit of panic breaking out countrywide and there was talk uh, by the cabinet of bringing the army in. But on uh, So there was a meeting on Tuesday 
And basically, the Department of Health have decided to bring in the pharmacy army, for want of a better way of putting yeah. it, uh, because there's about a thousand pharmacies registered in Ireland to vaccinate. And in those thousand pharmacies, there's two and a half thousand pharmacists who are uh, qualified to, to vaccinate. So uh, the two and a half thousand pharmacists are now starting to vaccinate as soon as they get supplies in. OK, so how do you how does somebody get a vaccine at their local pharmacy? Well, I mean, uh, I've talked to the local pharmacist. I mean, the supplies will be coming in. Um, we were fortunate in, in that we had started to vaccinate the healthcare workers uh, as well as the vac- mass vaccination centres. So as of the beginning of this week, we were actually had 300 of the Pfizer COVID vaccine in stock. So we're starting this weekend and we've, uh, because we were doing healthcare workers, but we have a good number of spaces available for the over 60s. So we contacted a good number of people on Wednesday evening. Um, we, these were people that we, we had their, their mobile numbers for. And uh, we sent out a text message to those. And we've literally been inundated with uh, queries about it. So but the main thing is that people must be over 60 and ideally six months since they're uh, second injection. Okay, have, uh, they, have they not changed that to five months? Yeah, ideally, it's six months, but the okay. absolute minimum is five months. Okay. So the legislation specifies five months, so it's uh, effectively illegal to vaccinate someone below five months. But you've also got to balance against that, that there are still a lot of people, uh, in particular healthcare workers, who got vaccinated back in, uh, second vaccination back in February, who, are, who to this day are still not vaccinated, and they are nine months since their last dose. Well. And, and we know from all the studies coming through that the vaccines are waning at approximately 3% a month and ideal time is at about six months. Like by nine months, the level of protection that the vaccines are giving is is pretty well, it's it's below the level of acceptability really. And those healthcare workers are the ones that we desperately need to protect. Oh, absolutely. And and you're talking about uh, you know your your local nursing homes and your kitchen staff and the carers and the nurses and so on. So like they're they're being va- vaccinated at pace and I think we've about 150 that were were vaccinating this weekend and the hospitals and the mass vaccination centers are doing all of that. So we're getting near to the end of the doing these healthcare workers and that's vitally important and of course all the pharmacy staff and the dental staff and the medical centre staff all of these people need to, because they're they're meeting sick people every day uh, so they need to be vaccinated but we're getting near that and the government basically announced that they were going to move uh, to the to the 60, 60s and over and we know from the data that it's already having a big impact in the older age groups which were vaccinated over the last month or two the over 80s the over 70s we're seeing the rates of covid uh, infections diminishing in those in those groups and therefore hospitalization and um and um, and death yeah, so, yeah, and we and we point. need to, we need to protect our hospitals. We know that more than 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 anything. Now, yeah. is everybody getting Pfizer, regardless of what vaccine they first received? Absolutely, absolutely. It, 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 there, it's the mRNA vaccines, uh, so Pfizer, and there is a bit of Moderna in the country as well. I mean. If you go back to the beginning of the pandemic, we were very lucky to have one of the mRNA vaccines coming, which was there's all this new technology, which is just wonderful stuff, but also the older technology, which was developed by AstraZeneca and by Janssen and so on. So the best, the best vaccine back in you know January, February, March, when we were in the depths of this, when we when when nearly all hope was lost, was the the vaccine that was in your arm, whichever mm-hmm. vaccine you got was the best vaccine. 
we're, we're, as every day goes by, we're learning more and more. And we knew at the time that the mRNA was the best vaccine. It has been now proven to be the best vaccine. And um, the, the government, through the Department of Health, have made the right decision that they've, they're now really only using mRNA vaccines in Ireland going forward. So it doesn't matter. I mean, I myself had AstraZeneca as, as a healthcare worker and I got my Pfizer booster yesterday from one of my pharmacists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's no concerns around mixing the vaccines? Absolutely not. There's no. a huge number of studies have been done uh, internationally on this because, you know, it, it, this idea of having to follow one particular brand w- was was just not going to be operationally acceptable. So... Um, but we've been lucky. Uh, we've got a lot of Pfizer in the country. There is, doesn't appear to be any shortage. Like, if we go back to the summertime, we were being rationed as to what we can get. But literally, the last week when I placed an order, I could have got as much as I wanted. Now, within reason, because the Pfizer is, is a very unstable uh, product. So once it's out of the freezers up in City West, it, it takes a month it's a month from when it comes out. So you to have to have the, the people ready to get it in, in into the Absolutely. arms. Absolutely. We, we don't want to be taking tens of thousands of vaccines and then they're going out of days. We're, we, you know, I think in, in, in the over a thousand vaccines that we've done so far, I think we've wasted four. Through no fault of our own. That's good going. Right. That's good going. If you contracted COVID since getting fully vaccinated, does that affect when you get your booster jab? Absolutely. Because getting the COVID infection itself is, is effectively a booster. So you you really shouldn't get, well, you're not supposed to get the a booster dose for another six months after the COVID infection. So when your diagnosis or your positive PCR test, you should not get a booster for six months after that okay. because you've already had the booster. Yeah, okay. You've got a proven infection. That was the, that, the antibodies have reacted to that. You've, 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 so you, it's, it's, uh, COVID infection is probably a better vaccine than the vaccine itself. Okay, listener wants to know, does Peter reckon that the pharmacies will eventually be doing the over 50s because they've announced Oh, yeah, uh, yes. Um, what was agreed because of this, uh, the, I suppose the panic that broke out at the beginning of the week and what was agreed between the Department of Health and the Irish Pharmacy Union is that any cohort that the, once the HSC operationalises a, a cohort, then pharmacies will be doing it. So, the decision that comes from NIAC as to what should be done, but then that has to be, uh, you know, agreed by governments to say, yes, we're going to do that, and then the HSE operationalise it. So the, uh, NIAC have recommended that the over-50s should be done. Look, in honesty, all of us should be done, regardless of age. And that will, happen ev- that will happen eventually, won't yes, it? Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, but, we, but it's like we were saying earlier about the healthcare workers, you know, there are priorities. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're a carer working in Nazareth House, for example, in Mallow or Breedhaven in Mallow, you, you know, you're being exposed to COVID far more than someone who's at home or, or maybe working in an office. You, there's a huge amount of exposure to these people. And we need these people to keep on working. We, we can't afford for them to be out for weeks on end with a COVID infection. And, and, and there has been a lot of infection in the likes of the nursing homes. So it's important. So there's some people need to be vaccinated before others, but everyone should be getting a booster. We know now that really six months is the optimum time, five months is the minimum. But, you know, I would say to people, if you can wait to the six months, please do. Mm-hmm. If you're called earlier than that, great. 
but you know, please don't come at four months because well, one you can't, you cannot be given the vaccine at less than five months. So, but everyone will be vaccinated. So, I would hope I don't know, but next week or the week after, the HSC will say right, we're now going to go down to fifty years of age, and, and then after that, hopefully forty, thirty, twenty, and so on. And all the evidence is coming, particularly from Israel, because they started the booster ahead of any other country. Yes. And, yeah, and I mean, it, 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 Israel have done the world a great favour because they were really very well organised and they got going very early. Uh, maybe it's something within the Israeli psyche uh, that they really got through uh, and vaccinated people very quickly. In Israel now, they don't consider you vaccinated unless you've had three doses. In other yeah, words, you've had yeah. the first two plus the third dose, the booster dose. Okay, a listener from West Cork says, uh, I got my first uh, vaccine, uh, two doses from my local chemist. Will they contact me now? I'd say now your best bet is probably to contact them. I can't speak for the, the pharmacy itself, yeah. but the best thing they could do is for the to get back in touch with the pharmacy. But if you got it in the pharmacy, you can go to your GP. If you got it from a GP, you can go to the pharmacy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Or a mass vaccination centre. Yeah. I mean, it really is now about getting as many people that are six months or over as vaccinated with, a, with the booster dose as quickly as possible because we know that the levels are going up by, of antibodies are going up by about 20-fold. So it's a really good thing. because, And that's why the, the double dose was so important at the beginning. You know, your, your first dose of, of the vaccine took you up to a certain level, let's say 50 or 60%. And then the month later, the second dose took you up to the 90% protection. Mm. That 90% now has been dropping, as I said, by about, about 3% a month. Um, we know now at six months that if you get a, a booster again, you really go up to 93, 94%. So it's really well worth getting. And, you know, and the main thing now is to try and get as many people vaccinated before Christmas. So, you know, to use the phrase we were talking about last year, can, can we save Christmas? Well, we can if we get as many people vaccinated as possible. Okay. And actually, I have a number of people saying that they are, they've got their vaccine either from a GP or from a pharmacy, but they're getting a text from the HSE telling them to go to a vaccination centre and it's impossible to get through to cancel to say we've already had our booster. And a lot of people are saying, is that the reason why it's been reported in the paper? There's so many no-shows at the vaccination centre. Many people have actually got their boosters already. Yes, it, it could well be. Uh, I mean, what I saw a recommendation yesterday, and I don't know where it came from, but was that uh, I think it was to, to some pharmacies to say that if you do get an appointment, my own wife had an appointment thing for today, and she's deferred it because we should be vaccinated and, and probably on Sunday. But the, the the main thing is you can defer the thing, and then once you're vaccinated and the information is put into the PharmaVax system, which goes into the HC COVAX, this is the overall global com- national computer system, that will then stop the text message yeah, coming. Yeah, you're all linked up. Yeah, it's all linked up. Yeah, because there, there's, there's GPVax, there's PharmaVax, the pharmacy one, and then there's COVAX, which is the national one, and the GP and the pharmacy ones feed into. So when we vaccinate people, let's say on, on Sunday coming now, that information we plugged in, it takes about two days then for that if, to be fully live within the system. And that means that anyone that has come, has come to us on Sunday, they, won't, they shouldn't then be getting text messages from the HSC. So it, it is, there, it, there tends to be this kind of um, um, scattergun approach on it that they're, they're sending out text messages to lots of people. They're probably sending out more text messages than 
uh, they have spaces for because they was the figure yesterday was 25 to 50% of uh, no shows and that, and that is a big difficulty for everyone because it, it's a waste of resources yeah, it's a waste yeah. of time because I, I certainly don't sense from people contacting us here that there are people hesitant about it if anything it's oh, the opposite no. people are desperate to get the booster yeah I know absolutely I mean in fairness to you know one of the things that Ireland has done incredibly well and it's not down necessarily to the admin it's, it's the people of Ireland we have been incredibly enthusiastic and we know we're with the highest vaccination rate within Europe, if not the world. So we, we were number one. Um, the trouble is now we're in danger of losing the, all the advantage that we've taken. Um, you know, because of you know, the infection rates dropping, we've now, it's now coming back up again rapidly. Mm. And so the booster program is incredibly important. It, 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 it's it, it's going to cost, obviously, the, the state a lot of money, but the, the uh, the cost for not doing it is just so huge. So okay. it's vital to get it done. Okay, and John is asking about what about people who were fully vaccinated, then got COVID, but were unaware they had COVID because they were asymptomatic. Will it be safe for them to get a booster? It will be safe, but there's no great advantage. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but if you know that you have COVID and you have had a diagnosis from your GP uh, or you have a positive PCR test, then, then that's telling you you've already been boosted. You don't need to get another one for six months. Okay. At least okay. six months anyway. But for, there, there will be a small percentage of people who would have had COVID and not realised it, but it's, it's not going to do you any harm. And just listen, while, we, while I have you on the line, antigen uh, tests. I saw the Irish Pharmacy Union calling for antigen tests to be uh, subsidised and there, there's still talks around it, uh, but we still nothing has come out from uh, the government. Would you, would you agree that they should be subsidised? And do, what do you see a role for antigen testing? Oh, definitely a role for antigen testing. I mean, we're we're doing antigen testing for travel and, and issuing the certificate under government guidance and so on. And you know, the 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 the, the you know the certificate you can get interlinked to to the department. So we're already doing that in our pharmacy. Um, we're also selling a huge amount of antigen testing. I think I think the public in general uh, were were ahead of of, of Department of Health on this uh, and Nike for that matter. They. The people were buying antigen tests and using antigen tests, and and they are very effective in in identifying an infection. They don't pick it up as early as a PCR test, in fairness, but they are. They're a very valuable tool. You've got to say where where is the best to spend your money. I mean, you know, we don't have unlimited uh, funds here. Um, and it'd be better to spend the money on uh, vaccination than to be spending it on antigen testing, if it was a choice. Mm. Uh, if we had it. But I think the minister mentioned, I think, during the week that he preferred to spend the money on employing more nurses did, than, yeah. than, than subsidizing yeah. antigen tests. Yeah. And we know from the UK where they, they literally, um, pardon the expression, but they lashed out antigen tests everywhere. People were getting 10s and 12s. You could be decorating Christmas trees with the amount of antigen tests <laughs> they, they, they gave out. That there, w- there was a huge amount of waste. Yeah. So that there is there is a sense, and there is a at the moment it's very hard to get antigen tests. Um, we're you know we're contacting all our suppliers to get them. No, we're lucky we have some in stock, but we do know that there are shortages because again I think the Irish people were ahead of this. People were doing it and were using the antigen tests a lot more. Is that the best way to spend the money? That's not my decision. That's that's a decision for the department. But I think it's far better that we get on and get the vaccination and the boosters done for everyone and as many people as possible by before Christmas 
there will be some like people who were vaccinated in July would probably have to wait till January, but they don't. Have, that's not that's not a worry. You know, it'll be done in January or done in February. I think what's come out in the last couple of days, I think it was the chief medical officer said, you know, the ends and the single dose is is waning fairly fast, and it looks like we may have to do those people after three months. I think that's what he said Nyack, yesterday. Nyack made that recommendation yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That, that now gives us an extra problem because they were mainly 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds uh, who got the single dose at Janssen. That was mainly July and August. They're well gone past their three and months. And they're, they're overdue. Yeah, yeah. And so they're now falling overdue in on top of the, the 60-year-olds and the 50-year-olds. So uh, so we've, we, we're, we're facing a double whammy. Um, you know, maybe we should cancel Christmas, put it back a couple of months, uh, and, and then we could start don't, again. Don't, don't be saying that. <laughs> uh, but, there's a, but there's enough Pfizer. This is the one thing. We haven't enough vaccines. I don't know if they're physically in the country. but oh, there, we do. We there, do. There, we, there, we, is, there is enough. OK, and I don't know if you can answer this question. Anne in Canturk says, could you ask Peter, how long does the booster last for? Great question. I have no idea. Is the, is the right answer. Yeah. Um, what we know at the moment is that we're, that we're waning at 6%, uh, sorry, 3% a month. So six months is a good time to get it. We know that uh, the booster increases your antibody, uh, antibodies by about 20-fold. So that's a huge jump. So you're going back up to 93, 94%. What we will know after that is next month and the month after we'll know. So at the moment, the answer is probably six months. It's more likely to be nine months, and it might even be a year. But we will know that as we move forward. So when we come to January, February, March, we will begin to have a better picture as to how the population is behaving with regard to COVID and how the, the, our immunity is standing up to COVID. So the answer at the moment is boosters after six months. Okay. I believe it might go out a bit from that. But we don't know. We'll, as you said, as you mentioned earlier on, Israel is a great source because uh, Israel probably had all their boosters done in September. So whatever Israel does, we we'll will follow probably, their lead. We'll, we'll, be, yeah. we'll be looking at what they did and, and, and taking their... OK, advice. another question for you. I've been called for my booster, but I've got bronchitis, says this listener. I'm on steroids and antibiotic. Could you ask Peter, would I be better off to hold off until I'm off the antibiotic and feeling better? You might. I think one of the key things is temperature. I wouldn't be too worried about breathing that, but without knowing the direct specifics, um, if you're not feeling well, I mean, the booster is is is, is severe. I mean, I got mine yesterday. I have a, a very gentle pharmacist gave it to me, but um, she was afraid of the boss, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I have a very sore arm this morning. Yeah, but, but, but nothing else? Nothing else. No, no, no absolutely no. not. Great, um, great. So I... The, 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 if you're not well, it's probably best to delay it. Uh, a few days won't make it. Get, okay. be, be a bit fitter. And then a number of people with the same question. These are obviously people who got AstraZeneca. Why can't you get the vaccine boost uh, before four months or the five months as it's recommended now? Be- because really you're just wasting it. Um, for two, oh, sorry, so for the reason we said earlier on, we've got healthcare workers that are still not vaccinated, will be in the next week or two, that are at nine months and effectively their level of protection is very low. Second of all, there is no great advantage in getting it at four months when ideally it should be at six months. Okay. Uh, you, have protect, you, ha- you have good protection to six months. So, you, you know, getting it early is of no great No advantage. benefit to you. And second of all, then, you're, you're bringing on your next booster whenever that is, if it's six or nine months from now, you're making that earlier again. 
why why would you do that? Yeah, and I so, think your earlier point is a good one. You don't want to take it from a healthcare worker who we really need to protect. Okay, listen, you have been a mine of information and I'm really conscious of the amount of time that you've given us this morning. So we appreciate that, Peter. Thank you for that and uh, have a good weekend. Uh, my th- but, but good morning to you. That is uh, Peter Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And once again, my thanks to uh, Peter Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow for answering all our questions about boosters in the last hour. Uh, a lot of people saying, uh, f- well done to uh, Peter. Somebody in particular says that he should be on the, the who, Anne says, uh, Peter Weedle should be on the COVID team on TV, giving the information and explaining it so well. He was wonderful. He could do the COVID chat on the TV all on his own. Kind regards from man. A lot of people say, well done to uh, Peter, our thanks to uh, Peter Weedle. Now, verdicts of medical misadventure have been returned at the inquest into the deaths of mother of three, Marie Downey from Kildallery, and her little infant son, Connor, at Cork University Maternity Hospital. And that was back in March of 2019. Marie Tuig, our news reporter, was at the inquest yesterday and uh, she, join- she joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Patricia. Such a devastatingly sad case for the Downey family. Talk us through what was revealed at the inquest yesterday. Absolutely, Patricia. It's been a very uh, tough three days. It, it opened on Tuesday and it concluded last evening the inquest at Cork City Coroner's Court. So it's just to go back there to March 25th, 2019. Marie Downey from Kildari was found dead in a single room at CUMH and her, her little son Dara, who'd only been born the Friday previous, was found critically injured underneath her and, uh, and passed away the following evening. Now, as I say, the inquest has been going on for, for three days, started Tuesday, finished yesterday. And part of that uh, was evidence from the pathologist who carried out the post-mortems on both the body of, of baby Dara and that of the late Marie Downey. So it was Dr. Peter Keelahan who carried out the post-mortem on baby Dara and he said that he died as a result of multi-organ failure as the consequence of compression asphyxia and it was assistant state pathologist Dr. Margot Bolster that carried out the post-mortem on the body of the late Marie Downey and she said that she died as a result of an upper cervical spinal cord injury that was caused by a fall as a result of an epilepsy seizure. Now across the, the days of the inquest we heard that Marie Downey had epilepsy and that she was on medication for that and uh, and so as I say the, the pathologist found that, that she died as a result of an epileptic seizure led to a fall and, and caused that uh, spinal cord injury. Now there was a jury at this inquest Patricia and they recommended that the findings of an external independent report that they be implemented but they had a number of enhancements to add to those recommendations to a number of them so and it was in an effort there to prevent you know future similar incidents from happening so I'll just go through some of those enhancements so to include changes to the electronic patient healthcare record system so that it flags when a patient has a condition including improvements to ensure patient care plans can be put in place and also that there be one-to-one supervision of vulnerable patients in single rooms in order to reduce the risk of adverse effects so we heard you know over the inquest that Marie Downey was staying in a private single room in CUMH um, after she had given birth to baby Dara. 
Now, I suppose, you know, on, on the first day of the, the inquest, we heard from Kieran Downey, and I, I know you've audio there as well of Mr Downey, who spoke to us after the verdicts, but he was also the first witness that spoke at the inquest. And, you know, he, he told of how he met his future wife back in 2005. They got married in 2012. You know, they've three kids. Uh, James was born in 2013, Sean in 2016, and baby Dara in 2019. So so we heard all that from Kieran, you know, on, on the first day. And as I say, then he he spoke to the media last evening. It was around 9.30 yeah, last night when, when I he heard, spoke to us I heard him earlier in the week saying, you know, yeah. I, I we shouldn't be here. You know, they should be at home, a little family of five. And also Absolutely. a lot of the papers this morning, he's released a, a family photograph, which probably was one of the last family photographs taken of them because it's Marie in hospital holding baby Dara. It is, yeah. And, and he told the inquest as well, you know, that on the Saturday, so Dara was, arrived on, on the Friday, on the Saturday, he said they went in, uh, you know, James and Sean met their new little baby brother um, in the hospital and they were looking forward to them coming home. On the, She was due to be discharged along with baby Dara on the Monday that this tragedy happened. And it also turned out that, that was, that's Kieran Downey's birthday. So there was a lot of excitement in that house that morning, looking forward to them coming home, you know, and, and their, their family of five before this this unthinkable tragedy unfolded and it is and, and that picture was handed out to members of the jury um yesterday evening before they went out uh, to deliberate about their verdict and in submissions to the inquest before the jury retired um barrister Diran O'Mahony who was there representing the Downey family you know she said that there'd been a catalogue of major clinical errors in the deaths of Marie and, and Dara Downey and she said that there was a communication failure there on the part of Miss Downey's obstetrician who's Professor Keelan O'Donoghue to make contact with her neurologist Dr Peter Kniarens who was treating Marie for epilepsy and Professor O'Donoghue told the inquest that she regretted not contacting Dr Kniarens and she did say that it was an oversight on her part. Okay, all right. Uh, listen, thank you for that and I know we have uh, Kieran Downey who was uh, Marie Downey's husband and uh, dad of little Darren and this was uh, speaking after the inquest uh, yesterday. Marie, thank you uh, for that. Here's Kieran Downey. We waited over two and a half years for this day to arrive and while relieved this painful process is over our hearts remain broken. We are grateful to the jury for their verdicts and recommendations which will we hope spare this kind of profound shocking tragedy from touching the lives of any other family ever again. Marie and I sought what we thought was the best possible care for her and paid to go private. We were let down and we feel failed by the system. Marie and Dara will never be forgotten and will live in our hearts forever. Can I How ask do you, you, feel what, did now Marie, like what did Marie actually mean to you um, and Dara? What do they mean to you, Kieran? They meant everything, obviously. I've never been so happy in my life on the day Dara was born. How do you feel about the outcome of the the, the inquest, Kieran? From a verdict, it was a good verdict. The recommendations from the jury were good. The process was very, very difficult. Made more difficult, I suppose, with with being unable to voice my my statements in the first place but also during the process 
being restricted in what I could say. What would you say to the HSE? It's chaotic. It's chaotic from the very get-go. Everything that was discussed in the last three days just proves that the systems it doesn't seem like there is even a system. How would you like Marie and Dara to be remembered? Marie, very loving, caring, unbelievable mother to James, Sean and Dara. Loved her parents, Jim and Helen. And Dara, he was a big boy. Was Where, just Kieran, a beautiful baby. Kieran, on Tuesday you said that you had no faith in the system. Um, has your faith been somehow restored in the system following what you've heard over the last three days or do you have faith in the system to improve and to make maternity services safer for women? Do I have faith after the last three days? No. The recommendations from the jury are very good and should be implemented but based on past history I have my doubts. Will you be Clearly. following up on the recommendations? Will you be keeping across this going forward? Yes, of course. Where does this go from here? I don't know. I, 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 for my family and for Marie's family, we'd, we'd like some privacy to be able to consume what we've heard and, and, and try and, try and um, move on as best we can. How are your boys now, Sean and, yeah. Sean and James? How are they now, Sean, your, your two other boys, Sean How are and James? they coping with this? What, what have you been able to tell them, um, um, Kieran? My, my two boys are... Our two boys, they're, they're great. The horrible, tragic events of 25th of March they have left an impression, certainly, on them. Even though they were very young, it's something that no child should ever go through. Nice. You won't allow them forget mummy or Dara? No, we, we speak about mummy and Dara every single day. They'll never be forgotten. I suppose ultimately, Kieran, you want to ensure that this tragedy and pain doesn't happen to another family. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It should never have happened. It should hopefully never, ever, ever happen again. Going to Thank bed tonight, so as you will, do you think there's a possibility something like this could happen again? Yes. Yeah. It happened to Marie. Like, I have no faith in the systems that's there, and based on what we've heard, it takes a long, long time for anything to be implemented. And Kieran, whose responsibility is it to fix this to make sure it doesn't happen again? Is it the Minister for Health? Is it the Taoiseach? Who do you want to see take notice of the recommendations and actually implement them? The HSE is a big organisation, but there's people working there. It's, there are, it's, the blame is often with the HSE, the letters. But people are responsible for making decisions and implementing them. And that's from the top down, all the way down. And unless these great recommendations are going to be implemented and disseminated in a very timely manner, as been proven down through the years, a lot of it is just ink on paper. Will anything ever compensate you for the loss of no. Marie and Dara? No, nothing, nothing, ever, no. What's your one abiding memory of Marie, one abiding memory of little Dara? 
Well, it's, it's, it's the five of us together. All of us together. Marie, Dara, Sean, James, myself, all together. All happy. Not a care in the world. The famous five? Yeah. Thank you so much. And Kieran, just how are you now? What, what do you do next? How, how do you try, try to, to move on? Or There's no moving on. It's just trying to care for my, my children and make sure that they have the best possible life as much as they can. What a brave man. That was uh, Kieran Downey who took time out yesterday after the inquest to talk to the media that were uh, present. It's just utterly, utterly heartbreaking uh, for him and for all of his family. And we once again extend our deepest sympathy to Kieran, to the two little boys, James and Sean, and also to Marie's parents, Jim and Helen, and indeed the wider family and all of her many, many friends. May uh, Marie and little baby Dara uh, rest in peace. C103 Jobs. General operatives are wanted for a cheese factory that's in Bohabui. You can contact Margaret at ingredientsolutions.net. Irish Yogurts, they're in Clonakilty. They've got vacancies for cold store operatives, general operatives, and dispatch operatives. Email your applications, please, to k.hurley at irish slash yogurts.ie or call them at 023 8834745. A butcher is required to work two to three days per week. That's in McCroom. Here in your contact at 087 221 And a teleporter driver is wanted for a construction site on the north side of Cork City. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now according to the Donkey Sanctuary in Lascarrel, the donkey welfare crisis is deepening and cases of poor donkey welfare are overwhelming equine charities. Joining me with more from the Donkey Sanctuary is uh, Laura Laura Foster. Uh, Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and and you're welcome to the programme. Have you had some of the busiest years in recent times at the Donkey Sanctuary? We have, yes. Sadly, um, we've experienced really a, a a fairly steady increase over the years and the amount of work that we have to do in in crisis mode if you like out in in the community um sadly our our sanctuary facilities uh the farms that we we operate for rescued uh donkeys and mules are now full to capacity so uh, a lot of the work that we do these days is out in the community supporting other charities working with authorities to to get donkeys to safety, to provide education and support to owners in in the community. And we've seen a real rise in in that type of work, Um, as as we've said this week, really driven by a a perfect storm of of lots of different issues coming together at once. Yeah, what do you believe has triggered this increase in, in the poor donkey welfare? Well, I mean, for some time, uh, we have had a problem with what we describe as indiscriminate breeding. I mean, essentially, we have in Ireland uh, too many donkeys in poor welfare circumstances. What we really need to see is a a clampdown on uh, irresponsible breeding 
Um, we need to see stallions castrated. We need to see better management of, of donkeys in groups um, to, to simply prevent the population from, from rising any further. Um, so that, that has been an issue for us that, uh, over many years. Um, and we're working hard to try and educate owners, donkey owners and, and mule owners about what good welfare looks like, because donkeys are very different to horses, for example, and they, they have different welfare requirements. So a lot of the work that we do is is looking at hoof health. It's looking at dentistry. It's it's trying to work with owners so that they provide the right type of shelter. Donkeys coats aren't waterproof, for example, their hooves are porous. So this time of year is is very difficult for for donkeys because if they don't have the right the right kind of welfare standards then they really can suffer um and then you know the the really the human hardships that we've we've all seen over the last 18 months or so tri triggered by the pandemic um has you know meant that people are in very difficult situations and and we very much empathize with that um when human welfare suffers we know that animal welfare tends to suffer so, you know, we're, we're increasingly working with people who find themselves unable to, to look after their, their donkeys in the same way. And, um, yeah, we, we, are, we, we have described the, the situation now as really at, at crisis point, wow. unfortunately. Wow. And, when, you know, when you, when you say you're at full, full capacity, I mean, how mm -hmm. many donkeys have you in your care at the moment? We have uh, 1,830 oh. um, donkeys uh, in, in our care, but we, we have uh, just under 1,200 of those are on our own farms. So, uh, and we, we also have another 650 donkeys and mules um, out, mainly donkeys, I, I should qualify. Actually, mule, mules are quite difficult animals to, to care for. They require quite specialist care, but we have about 650 donkeys out in, in, in 325 guardian homes across Ireland. So we, we work across the Republic and Northern Ireland. Um, so those, those donkeys are, are under the guardianship of, of other homes, but they, they do remain as part of our herd. So, so yes, yeah, so we work with a, a number of other charities to, to find rehoming solutions, good long-term solutions for these animals. But it is becoming more and more difficult for us to do that because, you know, there are a finite number of people who are yeah, able and to it offer isn't, those. It isn't as easy as rehoming a, a dog or a cat and God knows uh, no. uh, other animal charities find it hard to get good homes for dogs and cats. But it, it, I mean, what makes for the ideal if you're rehoming a donkey, what's what's the ideal setup? Well, there's lots of things that that need to be taken into consideration. I mean, there is an initial outlay that's you know there's an investment to be made in terms of in terms of shelter, the right type of grazing. You've got to have the right amount of land. Um, donkeys are companion animals. They need they they typically bond in in pairs. Um, so it's not as simple as just getting a donkey and, and putting it on a piece of land. You then have to be prepared to commit to farriery work every eight to 10 weeks, um, regular dentistry to prevent some of the, the dental issues that can cause re really life-threatening um, problems with donkeys. Um, and let's not forget they're, they're very stoic animals. So they, they don't tend to exhibit pain and suffering in the same way that other animals, um, that horses might, for example. So sometimes these problems can get missed. So it's not just about the physical infrastructure. It's about people having the um, awareness and understanding of what good donkey welfare looks like, that they're, they're not overfeeding them, um, 
that can also become an issue. Um, and that's where our welfare teams uh, really can work with people one-to-one to help. So part of what we're saying at the moment is please do contact us. If you're thinking about acquiring a donkey or a pair of donkeys, please do contact us. Even if you don't want to use our rehoming scheme, we do have a successful rehoming scheme. But even if you want to do that privately, if you're looking to own a donkey of your own, we can really help you to, to establish what you need to set up and to give you that support that you, that you need. And if there is anyone aware of a, a donkey, uh, Laura, in, whose health is suffering or is in poor condition, would you sit, who do they report it to? If uh, we would really recommend that anybody that witnesses any animal, not not just a donkey or a mule, but uh, in a crisis situation, suffering, um, being abused, whatever the situation might be, if it's an emergency situation, we would always recommend that a member of the public contacts the um, the, the department, um, the Department for Agriculture, because they do have a national helpline to report cases of cruelty or neglect. Similarly, the ISPCA has a national animal, animal cruelty helpline. Um, and of course, the Gardaí, because they are able to, um, these are agencies that are able to use the Animal Welfare Act. They're able to use pieces of legislation to actually remove animals if, for example, an owner isn't present or, or to, to move forward with prosecution. So if we would always recommend in the first instance, if it's a crisis situation, that those those organisations are contacted. But if anybody has any what we would call chronic welfare concerns or just more general concerns about the care of their own animals or somebody else's animals, we will always look into that. And we work really, really closely with those authorised agencies as well. So when a, when an animal does need to be removed to safety or requires rehoming, we can help with all of that. We help with transportation, we help with castration, with veterinary support, um, recommending farriers and and eventually with, with rehoming as well. Well done, well done. You do- you do the, the most incredible work and donkeys they've great personalities don't they absolutely yeah. they really do and um they're they're a joy you know when they're in the right when they're in the right environment they they are extremely friendly and very emotionally intelligent animals as well this is uh we, we as a as a wider organization we run donkey assisted activities um sort of therapeutic activities if you like for for people with donkeys at our centers we have one in belfast and we, and we have others in the uk and great britain so you know we we really recognise the value of donkeys and the joy that they can they can bring to people. Um, and, you know, we'd really like to get past this crisis situation know, so that we I can know. start to do more of that. Yeah. And I love the fact that they bond in pairs. There's just something gorgeous. <laughs> yes. There's something gorgeous about that. Fundraising then, Laura, how has yes. fundraising been yes. at the sanctuary? Yeah, I mean, look, all charities, this is particularly charities that are supporting animals and people in crisis. This time of year is is always tricky um, and we are always looking at ways in which people can support us, but also get something back. Um, you know, we if you're thinking about um, if you're thinking about what to get somebody, the, the person who has everything this Christmas, maybe you could adopt them a donkey. We have a we have a number of adoption donkeys who you can also come and visit as 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 your listeners will know, I'm sure we have our open farm and this carol um so you can donate via our website um or over the phone 
and um you know there are various ways in which in which you can support us as i say this time of year is is particularly difficult but more than anything in the long term we just really want to raise awareness about the issues so that we're all we're all more aware of how we can do better by donkeys really yeah and keep and keep them all safe listen it's been a real pleasure talking to you laura thank you for that and uh, thank thanks you. for joining us um, on the program uh, good morning to you that is uh, laura foster joining us from the uh, donkey sanctuary in lascarrel 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Win, 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 win. There's a new way to wake up and win on Cork's More Music Breakfast. Smart Speaker Giveaway on C103. Identify the smart song of the day, text or WhatsApp the answer and you could win a cool new smart speaker. Smart speaker. Listen weekdays from 6am to win. And we've got one to give away every day. Ken's Smart Speaker Giveaway. Only on C103. Concerns over the provision of Saturday morning medical cover in towns and villages across West Cork were raised yesterday in the Senate by Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard, who has called on the Health Minister to make a statement on the situation. And Senator Tim Lombard uh, joins me with more on this. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning. And and you're, you're very welcome. Now, when I first heard this, I thought it was something to do with the, the South Dock service, but it isn't. It's to do with an issue between local GPs and the HSE. Can you outline what's been going on? Yeah, so the HSE and local GPs are having a dispute since last July. Basically, the morning services that the Saturday morning, which the GPs were running, has not been paid since last July. So we're having a situation now in, in several clinics throughout West Cork where the, the medical card holders that come to, G, to the GP clinic on a Saturday morning, the GPs aren't getting anything for it at the moment. The GPs are, are claiming that this was done without any um, consultation whatsoever. Change in work practices weren't made aware of it until they actually weren't paid for the work that they have done. What the HSC are saying on the, on the other side is that there's a South Dock service in place, so why would you need it? Now, the South Dock service doesn't kick in until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And why so, is that? So that's the actual structure that's there at the moment. So if they were to change the structure that the South Dock service was to kick in earlier, we would have cover. But at the moment, we have a lag between the South Dock service ending on the Friday night and kicking in on the Saturday afternoon. What was traditionally happening was the GPs were covering this leg and were always available and they were covering both public and private patients in their clinics. But getting paid and, for it? But getting paid for yeah. it. Now, in the new scenario since July, they're not getting paid for it, so they're effectively working for nothing in so many ways. But how, like, how could the HSE expect them to work for nothing, Tim? It's beyond belief. And like in fairness, I raised at the Health Forum meeting last Friday week, there's now hopefully going to be some engagement between Cork Kerry Community Healthcare and the actual GPs to try and solve this issue locally. It's a complete mess in so many ways because if ever we needed our GP service on board, it's now, we're, look, we're looking towards probably 10,000 cases in the next few weeks of COVID to have this friction between the HSC and our GPs on the ground, which should have been a 
avoid it is absolutely pathetic at the moment. I just think we need to step in and sort this out in the next few days because we can't have a service as we're having at the moment where the GPs feel they're not getting paid for it. HSC are putting their hands up and saying, well, we think South Dock should cover, but South Dock doesn't kick in till 2 o'clock. And we're talking about a, a fairly wide area. You know, I mean, we're talking about covering towns like Clonakilty, Skibbereen, Rascarbury, Enniskeen, and, and as far over as Kinsale. Yeah, the whole demographic of the entire Corsa West constituency has basically been affected by it. Majority of these GP practices are doing really excellent work on the ground, and unfortunately, since July, without any consultation, their funding for the Saturday morning clinics has been cut. And this, like GPs, like any other business, you know, they depend on revenue, depend on money coming in, and they're effectively working for nothing for those Saturday morning clinics. Now, I hope that HSE locally have now woken up to the scenario and have engaged with this issue itself because, number one, it's embarrassing. Number two, we really need the, the GPs to be on side to have a scenario that there could or should be any friction. It's you know, deplorable in the actual current scenario that we're in regarding our public health. So this is just something that we need to find a solution for in a very, very short space of time. Yeah, and I would have a, a real, when I heard about this yesterday, I would have a real concern. If you've got somebody in a panic on a Saturday morning who's got somebody sick in the house and they can't access a GP, your next port of call then is to go to uh, an, A&E. A&E, an A&E department. I mean, our A&E departments are already overstretched. And that's exactly the scenario. So if we had, unfortunately, if an emergency tomorrow morning with no GP cover in town, your next pay port of call is to go to an A&E service probably in Cork. And we already know from what I'm hearing from the CUH, the A&E services there in Cork are totally overstretched. And, like, it's illogical. There's no management structure in the world would allow this actual dispute happen. I would assume when they heard there was a dispute of any nature between the GPs and the HSC, they would dealt with this straight away because for the next six to eight weeks, it's going to be a little bit hairy. We need to have everyone on side. We have GPs which are literally, you know, to the end of their tether, getting no response from the HSC regarding it. HSC management locally now, in fairness, have kind of said, look, just we'll try and sort it ourselves here. But there needs to be meaningful engagement here. Otherwise, and I don't think it could happen, the GPs could throw their hands up and say, what are we doing with all this we're nothing for? And the bigger issue here is we can't get GPs into practice. Mm. GPs are walking away from practices all over Ireland. Yeah, but you can understand why. If, you, if, you've, a, if you've got a young uh, guy or gal training to be a doctor and considering being a GP and they're hearing stories like this and they're hearing of GPs already overstretched and overburdened, they're going to kind of think, that's not the career for me. And that's the bigger issue. Like the bigger issue here, this is about confidence in the entire sector. And we're really draining the confidence out of the GP sector at the moment. And there's been a huge change in work practices, huge change in workloads. Everything's about primary health care at the moment. And like realistically, the GPs will not come into the service because the old GP that worked 90 hours a week and was all available on Saturday night, that's gone. You know, that's like 1970 stuff. Yeah, but that had, that had to end. The, oh, totally, you know, totally. And I'm also, like, I'm also wondering, are some GPs under so much pressure? Could that be the reason why some GPs are opting out of the booster vaccines? I, well, yeah, and I came across a GP surgery in my own part of the world where there were 700 and something cases that they said because of the workload in the community, they weren't doing the 70, uh, 70 plus uh, booster vax and they were actually asking the HSC to take up the workload. 
which I was really concerned with. But then when I got involved in it, it was today actually a lot of them are going into City Hall to get their actual vaccine done. Yeah, but that but in like, itself is causing problems. We, totally. like we've got some people saying, you know, a, a three and a four hour round trip. If you're if you're coming from oh, yeah. any of the tip of the Mizzen or Bearer Peninsula into City Hall, that's not ideal either, um, Tim. No, and I totally agree. And that's exactly what's actually happening in this scenario. I think here we have, you know, primary health care on the ground, supposed in the community, but they are literally work the workload they have in particular with the amount of cases in the community is horrendous at the moment. And because of that they had to kick some of these booster vaccines back to the HSE, which isn't a deserved approach, but it does show you the pressure the practices are under. And yeah. like it comes back to this entire thing, they're under pre- pressure they're doing what they can. Why wouldn't you just sort out this fight at the moment? Like, it's going on since last July. They are a business at the moment, a small business, and they just need to have cash flow. And the interaction from HSC nationally has been very, very poor. And locally, they've actually got involved to some degree, but they need to solve this issue. OK, I'm wondering, actually, going back to the over, I'm thinking of the over 70s having to travel uh, from the county into the, the city. Earlier this morning, I was speaking with Peter uh, Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow. They found out during the week that they're now allowed to vaccinate the over 60s. They're allowed to do it in the pharmacies. They're kicking it off uh, from this weekend. I wonder, uh, like the pharmacies are already involved with doing the healthcare workers. Could the pharmacy get involved in vaccinating the over 70s particularly in an area where a GP practice has decided not to do it Absolutely and I was speaking to a pharmacist in Gingarra a while ago about that exact thing and what she said to me quite clearly is they're competent capable trained they have the ability and they can take the stress of this away because they can become the community involvement the community activists to actually do it on the ground it wouldn't make sense for anyone in those remote locations to have to go to a city or a major town to get the vaccine when you have the GP, when you have the pharmacy covering the town itself. And they, the, the pharmacists want to take on this responsibility. In other countries, they've been doing it for, for, for tens of years. It's been a part of our practice. But now in Ireland, we're slowly getting into it. But we should be using them more regarding the actual pandemic itself. I think that's a really fair point. Okay, all right. And you're you're hoping that sooner rather than later, the Saturday morning issue will will, will get sorted. Yeah, I really am because I think like if we don't this friction, in particularly where we're going to go in the next five or six weeks, we don't need this friction. We need to have everyone work in the same team. And unfortunately, we have friction that needs to be followed. Hopefully, hate to see locally will step in now to make sure that there is an agreement made that we can actually move forward. Because effectively, GPs will be working for nothing on Saturday morning, or the you could have a bizarre scenario where they might just only treat the actual private patients and not the public patients, which I don't think they would. Yeah, no, but you could have that bizarre scenario. Yeah, OK. And just one final question in uh, uh, that Orla in Bandon says, well, you have Senator Tim Lombard on the line. Uh, would you ask him, please, are there any plans to vaccinate children under the age of 12? I have three smallies in the house and I really worry about them. I, I, I think I, did I see you did you bring this up in the Senate during the week I did I did yeah. so I have four in my house and that's not true I had four till yesterday that weren't vaccinated my little girl Ellen was 12 yesterday and she got a vaccine at 2 o'clock but I, a lovely I, birthday know, a lovely birthday present she was, so she's not that happy with it uh, 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 <laughs> but, but like I honestly believe this we had four in primary school unvaccinated the twins are five and we had a 10 and 11 old who's now 12 it made no logical sense for any household to have that 
and a level of unvaccination in the house. I am, as a parent, first of all, fundamentally of the view that these children need to be vaccinated. I've actually motion put down to the parliamentary party about this because it happens in other countries from five upwards. I don't see the logic that we shouldn't have it. We're having case numbers that could hit 10,000 in the next few weeks. And to have that court society not vaccinated is just, to me as a parent, doesn't make sense at all. Is NIAC looking at it, do you know? They are, but they've yeah. been looking at it for the last three months. And I think you know, other countries have moved on and they've actually decided to actually have a vaccination programme that includes the 5 to 12-year-olds. And if you look where our infection is based at the moment, like it's really based in our unvaccinated to some degree. And I think if we were to look at that, that cohort, um, it would reduce the level of infection in the community. I raised at HSA meeting last Friday about this, and I was asking, why, where would you actually do the actual vaccination? Would you do it in the schools or would you do it in centres? And they were saying they have the capacity in the centres to do it. But we need NIAC to come on board to give the approval so this cohort that could be done in a three-week period if we decide to roll it out could be actually done. Yeah. And and we, we, know the children, done. we know the children thankfully don't get very sick from it but the danger is that they'll pass it on and if... And they'll bring it home. And yeah, and then, and then if granny or granddad or someone with an underlying health condition is in the house. Okay, all right, listen, keep us updated if you hear anything on that, uh, Tim. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Sure. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Fine Gael, West Cork-based Senator Tim Lambert. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we've been mentioning all week here on as C103, we're giving you the next big way to win and it's coming very soon. And with this particular competition, we certainly have your Christmas covered. I've got a sneak peek to what it's all about, but I'm not allowed to say anything because all of the details are going to be re- revealed with Ken on Monday morning at 8.15. So make sure you're tuned to Ken at 8.15 to find out what this is. Our big, big competition It's going to be a great way to wrap up uh, the year and certainly we will be having your Christmas covered if you win one of our prizes. So more details next Monday morning though at 8.15 and I can say no more until uh, then. Now if you're out and about this weekend and you're planning on doing some Christmas shopping uh, we're constantly saying to people to please try where you can to shop locally and if you can shop with independent stores it is even better but if you're in Mitchellstown then there is a Christmas market happening next Sunday morning at the wonderful St George's Arts Centre. Now admission is to the Christmas market is free. There'll be 40 stalls in total and Bill Power from St George's Arts Centre tells me by email that it's all local small enterprises everything from toys to photography there'll be cakes paintings and decorations of all uh, kinds and what they're doing with the Christmas market very conscious of COVID very conscious of high figures at the moment so they're trying to keep everybody as safe as possible so they're going to spread the Christmas market between two marquees and the actual St George's Church itself and many of these stallholders need the income more than ever this Christmas because many of these stallholders and these small local enterprises would have had a very very tough even now more than a year nearly two years they've had it really really tough so they could really really do with your support anybody planning on going along to the Christmas market in Mitchellstown you must have your COVID vaccination cert with you or a negative PCR test they'll accept that that, uh, as well are similar proof that you have recovered from uh, COVID. If you don't have it, 
there's going to be no exceptions. You won't get in. So please bring your COVID certs uh, with you. So good luck to everybody involved in that Christmas market in St. George's Arts Centre next uh, Sunday. And a reminder to anybody involved in producing calendars for 2022. If you are producing a calendar that's for charity or for a good cause in your area, can you get a copy of the calendar into us, please, so that we can give it a mention? Our plan is between now and the close of the year is to mention as many of the calendars. And when we get to the stage coming close to Christmas, we'll start giving double mentions. If your calendar's been mentioned already, don't think that's it. We'll get back and mention some of the calendars again. But we're looking for calendars now at the moment. Get them into us, please. Patricia Messenger, C103, uh, Goulds Hill in uh, Mallow. And just give us some details of where the calendar is on sale because there's no point me having the calendar in front of me and I can be fulsome in my praise of it only to discover I don't know where it is on sale and the cost of it as well. And I got a gorgeous, gorgeous calendar in the post thanks to Eilish Larkin from the Camera Club in Bantry. It's the Bantry Active Retirement Camera Club and I can tell you looking at the pictures contained in this calendar they are stunning photographs and there are there are some exceptional camera club members in the Bantry Active Retirement Camera uh, Club the pictures are just uh, beautiful they really are they really are gorgeous now the calendar is called Bantry and Beyond so now you know where the photographs are coming from and the proceeds are going to Cancer Connect and they've actually included in the front page of the calendar they do a little they, they do a little piece about uh, Cancer Connect and the, the great work that uh, Cancer Connect does and God knows uh, Cancer Connect is needed now more than ever particularly any kind of funds for it because obviously their fundraising would have been uh, very difficult as it was for all charities across uh, last year so Cancer Connect great great organisation in uh, West Cork the cost of this calendar Bantry and Beyond is 10 euro Uh, the calendars are available as we speak from several shops in Bantry you can also buy them in Glengariff if you're in Kalekill they're available in Skibbereen they're available in League, and also they're available at the Cancer Connect office so keep a look out for that lovely calendar to have in your own house but also What I love about all of the calendars so far that I've spoken about, particularly the ones that have images of a particular area like this one for Bantry and beyond, for loved ones overseas to buy one of these calendars and to get it off to them in time as a kind of a little Christmas present and then all throughout next year when somebody is turning the various months of the year as the year rolls by to see imagery from home. There's something really, I think, very, very special about that. So well done to everybody involved in Bantry Active Retirement Group, the very talented camera club. You're great guys and uh, gals and good luck with your uh, calendar, as I say, on sale. Most of them seem to be around the €10 mark, but it's just fantastic that the proceeds are going to various uh, charities. And somebody else sent in a text saying, would I give a mention to Middleton GAA? Their bingo is on tonight at half past seven. Again, COVID certs are a must. Uh, thanking you, that is from uh, Mariam. So good luck there with the bingo. Lots of people are commenting on the lottery. When we mentioned this 
earlier on this morning and this was because, because Fine Gael uh, TD Deputy Bernard Durkin is actually calling for an audit and an investigation into the National Lottery draw. Why? Because there hasn't been a winner in the last six months but he is in particular picking up on the fact that since Premier Lotteries took over their decision to increase the number of balls that are in the lottery draw the lottery now has from 1 to 47 balls in the draw every time it is spun. Whereas when the lottery first started, there was only 36 balls and they changed that over the years, but now it's gone to 47. And because of that, obviously, it's lessening your chances of winning. And Bernard Durkin reckons there hasn't been a winner and I didn't realise this. We know it's been capped at 19 million, but there actually hasn't been a winner since the 6th of June. There's been 46 separate occasions where people had a chance to win and 46 spins of the lottery wheel or the lottery balls and nobody has won and he reckons do we need to have some kind of an investigation and uh, an audit and lots of people commenting on the lotto. Let me just take a look at some of the comments that are coming in because a lot of people are agreeing with Bernard Durkin that more needs to be done about it. And in particular, people are saying we sh- that we should be going back to the way it was when there was only 36 balls. Now, I can never see uh, I can never see that happening. But Stephen and Kerry uh, has, he thinks, the reason behind it. He says, Patricia, as far as I know, the reason that they increased the number of balls from 36 was because at the time there was a syndicate got to Together and they covered every possible combination. It cost them less than the jackpot was worth that week. Unfortunately for the syndicate, there was three winners that week, so they actually lost out. But the lottery wanted to make sure that it would never happen again. And at the time, they increased it to 39 balls. And I do clearly remember that, uh, Stephen. But as Stephen points out, it has increased twice since. Um, and unless you win the actual j- jackpot, Stephen reckons you basically lose. His example being last Wednesday, if you did get the six numbers, you would have won that top prize. And if you were the only one, you'd have walked away with the 19 million. But if you got five numbers, you were one away from the six numbers. You only got 1,600. I've always, I have to say, Stephen, I've always had an issue with that for people who get five numbers. I remember many years ago working with somebody here who got five numbers and the bonus. I got like, got six out of the seven numbers that were drawn on the night and got a very small amount as well. And I, I, do have an issue with that uh, for sure but that's that's the way it is set up I don't I don't know why but I think you're right I think initially that's why the extra balls were put in but how do you justify then going from 39 we're now up to uh, 47 and then a number of people are on about who actually operates and owns the lottery. Somebody says, who owns and runs the lottery? I read somewhere that it was Canadian Teachers Pension Fund. God, they must be on great pensions, says this listener. And breathe them out as a psychiatrician, listening to you as, as usual and listening with interest today about the lottery. It's definitely not increasing. They definitely haven't increased the smaller prizes. I was told by a vendor in town, it's a Canadian Post Office Pension Fund that is profiting every week that we are buying our lottery tickets. That is from Breda in Mallow. And okay, it is run and operated. It changed in 2014 was when the new company took over the lottery and it is Premier Lotteries Ireland. 
They're a PLC. They are the ones who operate the Irish National Lottery. They took over in 2014. They got a 20-year licence, so they have another good few years to go. They say they're committed to delivering their core purpose to operate a responsible and world-class lottery, which obviously they do. But people just are wondering why it has just been so difficult for anyone to win the top prize. But when people are on about the teacher's pension fund. The PLC is set up and it's the shareholders of this Premier Lotteries Ireland PLC. They are Canadian. It's the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. Uh, On post I didn't realise that, are also shareholders as are on post pension funds. So people in Ireland, the pension funds in Ireland uh, benefit as well. And then others are saying, are they not linked to the UK lottery Camelot? They are because they have shareholdings in the Camelot Camelot group and Camelot are the group that operates the UK national uh, lottery. So there you go. It's, so there is the everyone. Everyone seems to harp, uh, seems to talk about the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan and how come an Irish lottery can be benefiting a pension plan that just happens to be the shareholders of that particular company. But I didn't realise it's on post pension plan uh, as well. And you know, somebody else says at the end of the day, with the lottery, it's your individual choice whether you want to get your your lottery or not. And we all like to get caught up in the the dreaming of what it would be like to win 19 million and of course let's not forget that there is also a huge charitable side to the National Lottery and that there are many many organisations in our own local area that benefit from proceeds from the lottery so there is there is a huge huge charitable side to it as well and then when we were talking about the lottery a text came in and, and I'm opening this up to see if anybody can tell us has anybody noticed there's been no wins in the prize bonds now you can't say that because there has been wins if you go on to prizebonds.ie you'll see every month and weekly are there weekly prizes as well there certainly are monthly prizes I know they lowered the top one and I think they gave out they give out now less they, the one million I think is the top prize they give out less of that now than they did at one stage and whenever we do this we always kind of test the waters on this when it comes to prize bonds so what we're trying to find out in the last year this year 2021 anybody listening have you won on prize bonds now I'm not expecting anybody to fess up and say that they won a million but it's the smaller prizes generally the smaller prize was set I'm open to question on this it was 75 euro did my memory serve me right that the last time we looked into that that that's gone down to 50 euro but normally when we ask people we'll get a couple we'll get some people commenting saying yeah 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 I, I won and it's but it's usually the lower down prize so did anybody in your household win on a prize bond this year if so how much or do you know of anyone were you talking to anybody else who had prize bonds because prize bonds are kind of one of those things I think most households we all have prize bonds and you kind of never really think about them until like this you hear a discussion about prize bonds and then people say, God, you have those still have those prize bonds but I never I never seem to win I, ha- I have a, I have a, an amount of those prize bonds and I have a handful of times I've won and again it's always the lower down I have uh, prize bonds that I have for the grandchildren and I hang on to them and but it's always the very smaller lower down prizes never and I don't know if I know of anyone who had a big win ever. I do remember as a teenager, somebody in the neighbourhood built on a big extension and the family went off on a big holiday and they bought a new, brand new car and they appeared to be living beyond their means at the time and there was great discussion around the neighbourhood and they, it turned out that they had had a win on the prize bonds. But of course, the one thing about prize bonds as opposed to the lottery, you can keep it completely quiet. So has anybody had in the last year 
is what we're talking about in this year for 2021. Has anybody had a win on prize bonds? Let us know, please. 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Mitchellstown Credit Union, they're hosting the launch of Terror from the Theatre. It is by Frank Keating and it is on tonight at 7pm. Bingo is on this Friday night in Mallow GAA Complex. They've got an 8.15 start. Covid certs are required for entry, please. But there's a drive-in bingo also going on. This time it's in the Creamery Yard in Kildallery and that's at 8 o'clock this evening. And please be as generous as you can because tomorrow Knock Degree Penny Dinners collection is going to be held. It's from 10am to 12pm in the community centre. Now you can obviously donate cash. They're also looking for perishable food items for penny dinners. You can do some home baking. They're looking for new toys, Christmas cakes and you're please asked to support. And Ballyhara Development will host four weeks of arts and crafts in the Presentation Pastoral Centre in Donoghue. And that's starting this Monday with a three o'clock start. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. A number of people on prize bonds. I'm in particular looking to see, did anybody win prize bonds this year in uh, 2021? Somebody said, I've had three wins in 50 years. <laughs> Not saying how much though. Not saying how much. Maybe you had a big win. I don't know. Somebody says, please don't call out my name. I've lots of prize bonds. No win this year for 2021. Can I dare say so far, there's still a few more draws uh, to go. Uh, but I have won. It, you are right. It has gone down to 50 euro was the lowest prize. I had three wins last year. That's three of the 50 euros. So you would have got 150 back from them uh, that way. Uh, hi, I have prize bonds with over 30 years. Never won anything says Anne Hi Patricia I won two 50 euro prizes in the last year and a half Okay I also have a lot more than 100,000 euro in prize bonds so that's a lot of prize bonds I'm taking my money out after Christmas Can't talk at work Love the programme uh, Thank you for that um, Also Yes my sister won 50 euro that was about two months ago It all seems to be doesn't it the 50 euro uh, Mark, where do you find your prize bond numbers? I've mined for years. I don't know the numbers. The numbers are printed on the actual prize bond itself. Don't know if there's any other way of finding it out. I think it's 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 just it's printed on it. Uh, Hi, Patricia. The Daily Million is a twice a day. Daily Million. Oh, that's for, for the lotto, is it? If I won the 19 million euro, all my immediate family would be set up for life. I would make sure that they would be debt free. Yeah, I think if you've got, if you if you win that kind of money, 19 million euro. Yeah, you could make That's I'm always saying that you'd make a lot of people happy, uh, wouldn't you? And Christy says, hi Patricia, since you're talking about the national lottery, it ought to be remembered that the money derived from the sale of the licence, because remember at when the National Lottery was first set up, it was owned by the government and then they sold it on. At the time, it sold for €420 million. Euro. That money was supposed to be earmarked to build what? 
the National Children's Hospital. The cost will probably be multiplied by six times when that hospital is eventually delivered. It appears most of the money derived from the sale uh, went into various social and artistic events around the country. Such a waste of money and nobody held accountable, says says Christy. And we still wait, do we not? We still wait for that National Children's Hospital to be to be built. Uh, you wonder, will we ever get to see a Christie in our timeline? Stephen in Kerry says, Prish, I'm in the process of trying to cash in my prize bonds, a story for another day. But I tell you, it's an ordeal going on a month already. Oh, keep us posted on that one, Stephen. I thought it would be because it's very easy to buy them online. So I thought it would be as simple as that to get out of it. Is it not? And I haven't. You see, that's one of those things with prize bonds. You buy them and you'd hear loads of people oh I'm going to cash them in I'm going to cash them in if they make it hard for people to cash them in then I can see why people hang on to them for such a long period of time okay if you're already a month in you're going to have to give us give us a detail on that on how you get on Stephen so please uh, do keep us posted 1850 Anne was listening to Kieran Downey that piece I played out from the when the when Kieran Downey, whose beautiful wife Marie and little baby Dara uh, died at Cork University Maternity Hospital in the inquest was on yesterday and he came out very bravely, I thought, and a lot of the media obviously were there and he spoke to the media and we played out part of that uh, interview and said, uh, listening to Kieran on your programme earlier, my heart really goes out to, to him. The HSE seemed to have no system. If your loved one goes into hospital and they're not able to speak up for themselves, it's almost like they're forgotten about. I've personal experience with two loved ones who ended up in that situation. You have to just stay beside them and help them and speak up for them. And that's made worse now with the COVID restrictions. Kind regards, Susania. That is a huge concern for so many people who have loved ones who have ended up in hospital during the course of this pandemic. And, you know, when you're not allowed in, and obviously because of COVID times and restrictions and all of that, but it's... It's a real tricky one uh, for sure. 1850-333103. I won 500 euro last year and two 250 euros a few years back on the prize bonds and won them both in uh, six months of each other, says Anne. Oh God, you're lucky, Anne. It must be... Do your lotto there. You're, you look like you're a lucky person. I won €50 Euro last week, but I reinvested it. I had to go online to change that to getting it into your bank account. So I've just reinvested it rather than taking the money out. Do they contact you to let you know you win? They do. You get a little envelope and... It normally arrives on a Tuesday because I think the draws are done on a Monday and then they post them out. So if you get a kind of an envelope with a little window on the front of it, that's <laughs> from the prize bonds, it means that you have uh, won. And Sheila says, hi, Patricia, I've half a dozen prize bonds. I've had them for over 30 years now. Never won a single red cent. I do a quick pick plus twice a week and I leave it to the cosmos to bring me luck. My stars are obviously out of line because nothing is coming that way either. Hang on. It's great to dream though, isn't it, Sheila? That's the one thing about it. It really is great to dream. Hi, Patricia. Would you wish the Cantor Hurling team the very best of luck? They're in the final on Sunday. Come on, the lads. You can do it, says this texter. No name on that. John says in Blackpool, Patricia, when is the Christmas bonus going to be paid out this year? Christmas bonus is being paid out the week of the 6th 
to the 10th of December, the 6th being the Monday. So that week, whenever you get your whatever social welfare payment you're getting, if you're entitled to a Christmas bonus for 2021 and they're paying a full extra week for pensioners and social welfare recipients that are entitled to it. So the week of December the 6th, uh, John, the first kind of, would you call that the first week, second week in December? So another couple of weeks uh, to wait yet. And still getting in some texts to do with boosters that we started the programme with earlier this morning. John says, Patricia, I won't be getting my booster vaccine when it becomes available. Look at the thousands of people going around with no vaccines. They are the same people that are the cause of COVID spreading in the community. Lockdown will be back. Mark, my words have no uh, doubt. I'd, well, John, they're not, I, I, don't, I don't know what the actual figure on the number of people unvaccinated. I think for over 18 year olds, I think it's running at about 7% percent or thereabouts. But of course, those that are vaccinated can still get COVID and you can still spread it. But by getting your vaccine and by getting your booster, you're protecting yourself from getting very unwell. And it will have nothing to do with the people who are vaccinated. Uh, you've got to think about yourself. You've got to protect yourself and protect all those around you. And also, in a way, by getting vaccinated, we're also protecting the unvaccinated in the hope that we will eventually eradicate this pandemic by enough people being uh, vaccinated. So think again about your views on that, uh, John. Hi Patricia, I had my vaccine on the 3rd of July. When will I get my vaccine? Well, we're told now up to five, any time from five months afterwards. So the 3rd of July, you'll be August, September, October, November, December. Any time from the 3rd of December, you can expect to get it, but it depends on your age and what category at the moment. We've gone to, they've now, NIAC have now passed it for 50s and over, but listening. And they also yesterday came out anybody who got the one shot, Johnson and Johnson they can get it anytime after three months and according to Peter Weedle who spoke with us earlier it looks like they're going to be the next group that they're going to roll out to give the vaccine to. Hi Patricia, will the booster jab be coming to Mallow? A lot of people can't travel to uh, City Hall. Well Peter Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow He's doing it. I don't know what other pharmacies in Mallow are doing it. I know in Donnerail, the pharmacy out there, certainly were giving the initial boost, the, the initial vaccines. Uh, to, I would suggest to people who don't want to travel, because it does look like a lot of the boosters shots are being done in the city. And I've certainly have heard of people from both West Cork and North Cork who've had to travel into the city to get booster shots that doesn't suit everybody for sure. Not everybody likes to travel. Not everybody has the ability uh, to travel. So I would suggest check in at your local pharmacy to see are they going to be administering boosters and see if you're in the age group of which they can administer the booster and see if you can get it uh, that way. And John says, hi Patricia, I got my vaccine last May. I got fully vac- fully vaccinated last May, but then I got COVID last, last month. I heard you mention that you shouldn't get a booster until six months after contracting COVID. My six months is up in December for the original vaccine. Will the HSC know it's a seven hour round trip home? I don't want to spend seven hours in the car only to be sent home. Uh, John, well, I asked Peter Weedle, we touched on that. I don't know how much of the interview you heard with Peter today. It If you only got COVID last month, then there's no point you getting it because the COVID almost acts like a booster. So there's no point you getting another vaccine 
do the HSC know? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I'll see if I can find out. I don't know if their system links up with somebody who has COVID. Does that link up with your vaccination cert? I really don't know. You may need to get on to them uh, if, you, if you do get an appointment and see if you can and let them know that you've had uh, COVID and that you won't need a booster for another, if you got it a month ago, you have another five months uh, to go. And Teresa says, I got my booster from my GP and then I got a text from the HSE asking me to arrive to City Hall on a certain time. I try, if I text them back, all it does then is rearrange a new one. So I tried ringing them, couldn't get through. I I didn't go. Then I got another text saying you didn't turn up for your booster and a new date for my booster shot. So I rang and rang and rang and eventually got through to somebody. They said, oh, look, we'll amend same and put it into the system that you have had your booster. I then got a text saying I didn't turn up for the second appointment and they're arranging a new appointment for me. I definitely think that's the reason for so many shows. Yeah, there seems to be a lag between them actually putting it into the system. And then it could, and then like the only thing I'll say is that isn't a, a physical person sending out those text message message that's been generated by a computer but my worry is that when you have the HSE and Paul Reid coming out saying that's between 20 and 50% no shows a lot of those are not no shows a lot of those are people who were already vaccinated but their appointment is made for them and of course the computer doesn't know that the person isn't going to show up and that's that I have to say is very frustrating uh, Margaret was in a similar position she said I received the booster vaccine and the reason why so many no shows we got the text from the HSE in October to say can you come along the next day four o'clock appointment for a booster I rang the HSE and said ah oh, that's a little bit of late notice I won't be able to get out of work and all of that and they told me oh that's okay don't worry about it don't show up you can they don't have to cancel it we'll just rearrange when you don't show up you'll get a new appointment but says Margaret it is not in my DNA not to show up so what did I do worked around with work so that I was able to go and went up for my half four uh, booking. My name was on the list and I was able to get the shot. But, says Margaret, if I if it wasn't in my D- DNA and if I didn't show up, I would have gone down as a no-show. Very frustrating listening to the HSE and Paul Reid talk about the no-shows. A lot of them are not genuine no-shows. They are people trying desperately to get through to the HSE to say they've already had their booster. They don't need that appointment. Please give it to somebody else. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. 
Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk CMIG.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Some movie suggestions coming our way With Mark Malone, our movie reviewer Good afternoon to you Mark Hi Patricia Okay and you watch two movies for us The first is called Red Notice And the second one is Home Sweet Home Alone Okay let's take a trailer from Red Notice Don't move Bulls have terrible eyesight But they can sense motion You're thinking of Jurassic Park No I saw a nature documentary Yes or no Was Jeff Goldblum in it Oh my god It was Jurassic Park This is so exciting are you kidding me? That's a nice. Can't wait to see what happens next. Oh, you made it! Thank God. Okay, can you? I, it almost sounded like the signature tune from Jurassic Park, but it's not. Yeah, um, and, and that was deliberate. I mean, there is a lot of movie references throughout this whole film, which for me was kind of interesting because, of course, I'm trying to spot them all the time. I mean, the thing is, is that this is a big, big budget film that wants to be James Bond. It wants to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. It wants to be National Treasure. It wants to be all of these things. But unfortunately, it's nowhere, nowhere near as good as any of those films. It has is a big, big, huge budget, this film. I mean, it had a 200 million euro budget. And the thing is, well, it is a 200 million budget minus the wage packets of the three big stars because all three got paid just over 20 million uh, to to make this film. And uh, so I suppose really the budget was about 130 million. But the thing is, it's got this huge budget, but yet the film looks really, really cheap. And do you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember? Do you remember? I don't know. I, I, we're, we're pretty much the same age, but do you remember uh, like the television series like The Saint or I do. Uh, the with Man Roger from Moore Uncle. or. Or the man from Uncle. Yeah. Well, these were international uh, spies, if you remember. But these were made for TV, so that basically they would travel all over the world, and basically what they would have is a bit of kind of kind of bit of footage of maybe the Eiffel Tower or or the or you know what I mean or Rome, and so there and then they would film it just outside of Los Angeles. Of course, they didn't actually travel or go to any of these places, and that's very very similar here. At one stage, they do go to Rome, but there are constant graphics throughout this film telling us they're in Buenos Aires, they're in Paris, they're in London, but they're not. They're in they don't 
don't go to any of these locations because most of the film was actually filmed in Atlanta in a big soundstage. And unfortunately, it looks that way. I mean, the, the, the standard of the special effects are really, really poor. So we have this huge movie, which is trying to be James Bond or Raiders of the Lost Ark, but in reality, just looks like a TV movie. And I think that's a terrible shame. Now, a lot of it had to do with the pandemic. We have to say that straight away. But I don't think they had any intention of going and filming on location in any of those other places. Also, the other thing that lets it down, really, is the fact that we have three stars getting paid huge amounts of money to, to basically be themselves. So Dwayne Johnson is Dwayne Johnson. Ryan Reynolds is basically doing um, Deadpool, but without, you know, the outfit. And Gal Gadot is, is doing Wonder Woman. And... And so it will, a lot will depend, too, on whether or not, you know, you like Ryan Reynolds' shtick. I mean, do you think he's funny in, in these films that he makes? Uh, some of them. I'm, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like, laughing my head off. Yeah, but he's basically played the same character in the yeah, last three or yeah. four films, and he just turns up and does his thing. Which and a lot depend will depend on whether you think it's entertaining or not. I mean, there's when he's when he's talking, he's making a lot of kind of sarcastic kind of jokes, a lot of kind of pop kind of references, which will date uh, big time. So in ten years' time, I don't know how funny they will be. Uh, my wife can't stand him, so she didn't enjoy it as much as me and my daughter, for example. We do like uh, Ryan Reynolds, and I like that shtick. And even though Dwayne Johnson has top billing, it's really Ryan Reynolds' film because he doesn't. Show throughout all this film. Some of what he says is funny and some of what he says isn't. The thing is, of course, is the amount of CGI and the fact that the CGI is actually really, really poor, which really undermines the whole film. And I think that's a terrible shame when you consider how much money they had. It really doesn't look real. And and it really does look as if they were on a set somewhere. And I think that is a terrible pity and that's a terrible shame. And a lot of the film, I mean, there's actually not as many action sequences as you would hope or wish and would like. There's a lot of kind of filming in indoors in kind of darkened rooms uh, again I suppose in a big big kind of uh, room in Atlanta somewhere which kind of again lets the film down but but the, the repartee between them sometimes is, is really entertaining and funny and, and that is kind of the enjoyable part of it and in the end yes did I enjoy it? I did enjoy it but it's such a shame that a film with that kind of bigger budget with three big stars um, it should have been way better and in fact the critics have hammered this film. Um, I've enjoyed it more than they did um, but again Again, a lot will depend on what you think of Ryan Reynolds and, and whether or not you actually think he's funny. Yeah, if you don't like Ryan Reynolds, you're certainly not going to like it. Mark it out of 10 then, Red Notice? Uh, I'll give it six. Six, okay, six out of 10. Now, the second one is Home Sweet, Home Alone. So when I saw Home Alone, I was thinking, oh, Home Alone as in, I love the original Home Alone Christmas movie. Nothing to do with that? No, it is. Yeah, it is oh. exactly what it is. Yeah, it's actually a sequel to it. It's not oh. really a remake. Um, and I mean, there have been sequels of Home Alone before. I mean, Home there was two, two Macaulay Culkin films, yeah. it was one and two. Um, they got another actor to come in to play the third one. There were two TV movies. I haven't seen any of these. I saw the first two movies with Macaulay Culkin and, uh, like everybody, enjoyed them, especially that first film, which is, mm. a, let's face it, a Christmas classic. And obviously, but so the question, of course, uh, the internet is asking, really, why? Why would you do this? Why would you remake? The, not so much remake, make, an, make another one. Um, the reason is, of course, is that Disney now have the rights to the uh, films. So they thought, well, look, let's do an update. Let's make uh, uh, another one. Um, Instead of Macaulay Culkin, we have uh, a little boy here uh, by the name of Archie Yates. Now, he was in um, Jojo Rabbit. He was very, very good in Jojo Rabbit. And they've obviously decided that they wanted to work with him. So they've made him English as opposed to American in, in this. Ashling B plays his mother with uh, an English accent. Of course, Ashling, poor old Ashling got a terrible time on social media because people said, why aren't you, you know, using your Irish accent? And she said, look, 
it's an English character. Um, and so uh, basically, so the, the film follows the same kind of route as it has done with the Macaulay Culkin films. Um, you know, he is in a household full of kids and noise and basically he wants to be on his own. They're all heading to Japan. He goes down to the basement, gets into a car, falls asleep. Everybody heads off to uh, Japan and leaves him behind. In the meantime, we meet Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney, who are people who live nearby. Um, they are down on their luck. He hasn't worked for quite some time, but he realizes that this doll that his grandmother had, this really ugly doll, is worth about $200,000. He thinks the little boy, played by Archie Yates here, has taken the doll. So they go to the house to break into the house, not realizing that he was in there on his own, uh, to try and retrieve the doll. So all this takes about an hour to come to fruition at one stage i think 20 minutes in my wife said when is this film going to start it takes an awful long time to get going and so by the time they actually do get to the house and the little boy um Allah, as we saw before macaulay culkin begins to fight back ingeniously um, um all that takes about an hour to happen so the last 20 minutes of the film is actually kind of exciting actually and a lot of the slapstick does work um not all of the humor works and then there's a lovely lovely sweet ending but a half an hour out of an hour and a half film unfortunately it's that's just simply not good enough i did wonder about the violence though because of course the thing about the the, the first two films they were incredibly violent and but the, the thing about the the first two films if you remember it was joe pesci and daniel stern were the uh, the two men breaking into the house there was a genuine sense of kind of peril for uh, Macaulay Culkin in those films because yeah, Joe it, Pesci really hated Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Well, here, Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper are two lovely people who are very sweet people who are just trying to retrieve a doll that they think is the, that they think the young boy has, has taken. So you don't really get that sense of peril. But the level of violence did surprise me because, of course, it's a different world now compared to, to, the, to the original film. You know, he does set fire to her shoes. You know, Rob Delaney does get hit quite a lot. And so that kind of worked. So there was one scene, by the way, where they're watching TV and um, it's it's a sequel and somebody says uh, almost knowingly in a kind of a wink to the camera they said why do people always remake the classics there's absolutely no need to do that um, which I thought was quite funny um, and there's also one funny joke where because he wears glasses she keeps referring to him as Harry Potter but then she kind of you know ruins the joke by telling the same joke again about five minutes later so yeah so look it takes an awful long time to get going but that last 20 minutes I really liked and I thought yeah. uh, it was and is, pretty is good it, is, it, is it set at Christmas? It is set at Christmas, oh, and in okay? fact, you know, yeah, and so, you know, they live in houses and in kind of estates that you and I couldn't dream of, and so all that looks beautiful, the, the, you know, the, 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 the Christmas theming is beautiful, and I must give, you know, the, uh, the set designers uh, credit for that. Is it worth watching? Yeah, of course it is, you know what I mean? I think the kids will like it, but it, as I say, I don't know how they'll do with that first hour, you know, whether or not they'll have the patience to wait through the, the, the plodding first hour yeah, well, um, they'll to simply, get to the simply, end bit, and they will enjoy the end bit, you know. Okay, mark it out of 10. Well, my wife gave it two. <laughs> she didn't like it at all. Um, I, I, for that last 20 minutes, which did bring me back to the first film, I gave it a five. Five out of ten. Okay, and it is called Home Sweet, Home Alone, as opposed to Home Alone. Okay, Mark, listen, as always, thank you for that. We'll chat again next You're week. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. That is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Just on prize bonds, uh, somebody says that a lot of people who own prize bonds, when they change house, don't inform the prize bond people that they've moved and they don't have an address for them. So 
so they could have had a win and because there's a lot of unclaimed prizes thank you for that uh, Kate somebody else says I prize bonds dating back to the 1960s never won anything okay that's how we wrap it up for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon don't forget to be tuned in Monday morning at 8.15 for their next big way to win is coming here on C103 have a good weekend Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.